Three-point range, history-making, episode number 50. We recently celebrated our one-year calendar anniversary of doing this. I looked back. I checked anchor.fm. It was on the 4th of December last year, and we're beyond that now. So thanks for being with us. This is Mike Berardino, joined as always by the professor, Tim Crothers, and the scout, Kimball Crosley, who never gets to lead off. But here on episode 50, he's going to lead off. And you're not going to mention that, that we're giving out a prize. Well, you're, I thought you <laughs> might you drop that in there. What do you have for our one lucky listener uh, that we'll choose at random from our account? <laughs> we're going to send a copy of, uh, each of us is going to send a copy of a book we've written. So Mike's, Mike's, might be in, Mike's might be in Japanese. It's in I'll Japanese. Send, I'll send a copy of a book I've read, maybe. No, and then, and so anyway. One book I read. All right, so uh, I, I basically tried to become Mike. You know, remember the last podcast, we sort of ended with me being a bit of a curmudgeon and, and Tim saying, I think I've become Mike with some negative view I had or something. I forget what it was. I'm a little tired um, today. But anyway, I Sunday, I often I have to find a place to watch my Jets. I live in New England. And so throughout my life, when I haven't lived in New York, I've had to like go to sports bars and various places to try and watch the Jets because they are rarely for some reason, they're just rarely the national game. They just rarely <laughs> have a lot of play. And so, uh, you know, there's been times when I've been on the road that I found one of the best places you could go is a sports book like at a casino. and. Um, and I'm a kind of a big believer in going to casinos because um, unlike going to a sports bar, if you go to a casino, no one, there's no waiter, waitress, whatever that comes up and asks you to buy another drink or get a drink or get some food. When you go to a casino sports book, you can just sit there all day long and watch 20 different TVs. And they always have like great views of all the TVs and watch all the games. And no one will bother you. Now, there, there are some <laughs> downsides <laughs> to being there. They used to be really smoky. And, and there's there's some really, some grim sights. You know, a lot of, a lot of downtrodden people, um, uncanny amount of people with some form of injury, uh, a lot of casts and broken legs, a lot of wheelchairs, things like that. This is Mike's <laughs> life. No, it is. It is. So I realized finally that I, I've been going to a sports bar in my in my uh, in Providence, Rhode Island, uh, for years to see my Jets, and I, and I realized, wait, there there is a casino. It's so close to me. I didn't even realize I had never been to it. I've lived in this area about thirty years, and I had never been to this casino that is about ten miles outside of Providence. And again, casinos are so easy to get to because they want you there. They don't usually charge for parking. Mike might correct me if any charge for parking, but you know, and there's usually plenty of parking. They want you there. They want you there um, to spend money. So they make it easy. And so I drove up to this casino and I, I found the sports book area and I, I saw a lot of um, grim sights. And for some reason, even though it was a, a bar of sorts, um, you know, there's no one really policing it. I saw, I swear, some guys must have been 14 years old, people walking in their kids, trying to look tough and old and placing bets. Um, and what I didn't know now, and Mike probably knows this, is you can make these bets on these machines. You don't even have to go up to the window. There's like this this computer that looks like a video game or something. And you just go up there and you start pouring your dollars into it. And I just went to watch the Jets. 
but I got sucked in and that's the danger. And I, I really, I don't know what prompted it. Um, I'm not usually a gambler, but I, I just, I got sucked in and, and uh, I started placing a couple of bets. And <laughs> I, I learned some lessons from this. Okay. And I think, I think uh, the first bet I, I placed was um, I saw, oh, and that's the scary thing. You can, I didn't realize this either. The game is going on, but you can still place bets on it. Yes. And so, and so Mike kind of alerted me to this. And and soon I said, well, I was watching all the games. You know, the Jets game was not very exciting. And I saw that Cincinnati had fallen behind San Diego by 24 to nothing. And I said, you know what? It was kind of fluky. I said, I think Cincinnati's going to come back and win this darn game. And about then when Mike said, you know, you can place bets on these things while they're going on. And I went over and I tried to fiddle with the machine. And sure enough, even though the game is happening live right in front of you and it's, it's changing the odds occasionally, I said, oh, I can get Cincinnati plus six and a half. And by this time, they had made it 24-13, I think. And so I placed that bet. And that was when things started to go wrong because there is a certain karma to that. And no sooner I placed that bet than I looked up on the screen and they said, hey, take a look at um, – Joe Burrow's finger, it's broken. <laughs> uh, oh, no. Uh, oh, no. And then not much longer after that, Joe Mixon fumbles, and and uh, San Diego takes the uh, the recovers it and takes it all the way back for a touchdown. And it's like, well, that bet's going down the drain. <laughs> so that might have been the first bet I made. And then, and then I said, well, wait, I, I want to bet, you know um, – uh, another game that I thought, well, this looks this looks like a shoe in Tampa Bay is only winning by a few points. And I said, you know, I think this game's going to go well. Tom Brady's going to going to increase this lead. And so I, I bet some money on that. That's the one bet I won. And it got dicey. It, it went down to the last play of the game. And if, if uh, they caught the ball in the end zone, um, I would have lost that one. But I, I, I got a little on that. And meanwhile, I said, oh, North Carolina's playing today. And we had talked about North Carolina before basketball, and I don't believe in them. And they were favored by three at Georgia Tech. And I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna place a little hedge, but also prove that I don't believe in them and bet uh, my Tar Heels to not cover that. And then no sooner had I done that, it was like a tie game at halftime. North Carolina starts raining threes like they haven't rained, <laughs> thrown down threes in years. And it was it was glorious to watch, but I still don't believe in that team um, from what I saw because I don't think those threes are going to last. And and I'll tell you also this: it might have been the first time I was bored watching a North Carolina game because even though I had some money on it, I just I don't believe in that team. I, they can hit threes all day long, but I just I just think I know who they are. I know who each player is. Get back I, to the gambling. Okay, I'm sorry. Thank you. All right. So getting back to the gambling. Um, and get to what's the make sure there's a point here somewhere. Oh, Remember, yeah. that's the three point, three point range. So mm-hmm. I will get to my point. All right. So the best bets you can make at a casino. All right. First, I then I bet I bet San Francisco. No sooner I bet San Francisco oh. to win a game, then there was a pick six to start the game. Right. This game hadn't started yet. Pick six, bang. So that's looking bad. And there goes that. So, but the best bets you can make at a sports book, and the bets I encourage people to make is long-term bets. What are they called? Prop bets? Futures. Futures. And I didn't realize, I didn't realize, I used to go to Vegas and wait trips to Vegas to make these prop bets and bet like 
Duke to lose the NCAA or to win the NCAA tournament or the Patriots to win the Super Bowl. And I said, wait, I can make those, make those right here anytime I want and right 10 minutes from my house. And so I said, that's the bet to make yeah. because those are the one, those are the bets that, that you can't lose because I bet $5 on the damn Patriots who are, we all know yeah. are on to win the Super Bowl. It's a win-win. If they don't win the Super Bowl, I'll say that was $5 well spent. And if they, if they do win, it covers all the other stupid bets I made that day. And I also went and bet the Duke Blue Devils to win this tournament. Same idea. Uh, if they lose, I will, it will be money well spent. And if they win, uh, uh, I, get, I get my money back for bad bets that I had made in other ways. And I'm not betting a lot. But so the point is this. Gambling is bad. Sounds fun. But it's also, there's a karma to it. And look, it, it, it is fun. It is dangerous. But you have to really uh, be cheap like I am. And even all these bets, I think the most I bet was $10. And so I didn't risk a lot. But there is a certain mojo. And the only way you can beat that mojo of the, the karma of the bad of gambling is to make those long-term prop bets. But even then, you don't get to uh, win both ways. You get to see the team you don't want to win, either win it and give you money or lose it and pay for your bet. I know it's not much of a point, but I had to recount my day. It was so amazing. And I will also tell you just a couple other things. I saw some sites at that casino I just couldn't believe. All right, one is... And this is, I just want to discuss this. It's not really sports related. There's this thing when you go into a restroom now, a, man, oh. a, a men's restroom. No. Stick I don't know to the why. gambling. No, no, no. This is important. And and I don't know what started this phenomenon. Careful. You guys, no, you guys can comment on this. I don't know why. It's a trend I've only seen the last few years. Men at a urinal. Oh, no. oh. Dropping their pants. Oh, dropping no. their pants to their ankles to no, pee. No. There's no reason no. to do that. You have to fly. And I saw this horrible sight. This man, why did wear his pants at his ankles <laughs> to pee in the urinal? Well, why? You've seen this. Comment on this. All right. All right. I, I think I think you've, you've, you've made your I'm point. Done. You've made your whatever uh, your attempt to end this this brainchild. Oh, and you have done it. He knows now. This, so it's another reason to go. Congratulations. This, this is why we never let him lead off. This is why we never <laughs> let him lead off. No. Uh, Omar Moreno. And Kimball, bad leadoff hitters. There's um, a lot of good stuff there. Yeah. So what? I just like to follow up with. Uh, we're not even going to get into the last part there. You can seek your own counseling for that. Um, what? Did, what kind of odds did you get on the uh, Patriots uh, to, to win the Super Bowl? Do you remember? Well, that's what I realized. I probably was not betting in the smartest place. I don't know if uh, you know, Mike. If, if no. it's is it the same odds nationally that I bet, or was I getting regional odds? Like I'm betting, I'm in New England. Well, you certainly and that's not the place to, to bet. What? Eight eight to one, one. But it didn't Down matter to, because yeah, yeah, Down that's not much. One now after the win, uh, yet another win at yeah, Buffalo, so, and that's the national one. So maybe I didn't have a local. I didn't take a local hit on that, huh? I had the I had one futures bet going in the NFL for a Super Bowl winner, and I obviously this is interesting. It's gonna be interesting. Uh, if we still do this podcast, if we haven't been banned by the FCC or whoever looks at this stuff, I don't think the FCC cares. But uh, I have the Packers at thirteen to one to win it. Now it's pre-COVID uh, uh, Rogers, 
and they're they're down to seven and a half to one now. So um, I feel uh, that that's got a shot. But there's a I could make a case for about eight to ten teams this year. So it's interesting. Yeah, Patriots not a bad idea at all. I'd also say that in game betting, you you kept talking about you know you were trying to channel me. I don't. I'm not the guy limping around the sports book. We we have a couple of those here, but we don't in Indiana. But they don't have the. Uh, at the Four Winds Casino, they don't have a sports book. They don't have live betting it. So it's just a very, as I told you, sad, solitary. Uh, I might not even be watching the game. I'm just looking at uh, some numbers on my phone, thanks to DraftKings. And there's various ways you can do that. Um, but it's the mathematical challenge, along with just enough sports knowledge to be dangerous. And you're right. When you see a team jump out 24 nothing, it almost doesn't even matter in the NFL who the other team is. The game's going to... It's going to regress or progress to the mean. And, and it, so uh, aside from Joe Burrow's broken finger, that wasn't a bad idea. Um, and certainly if Tom Brady's down in the first half, he's been uh, – it doesn't have to be the Matt Ryan game. Plenty of times. It happened, I think, in Washington earlier this year where I'll notice it. And they're like, okay, in-game betting is, is insidious and dangerous and and will, will be the ruination of us all. But it is uh, – that's the, that's the live – it's a it's a day trading type uh, mechanism, and um, it really has nothing to do with who you want to win, or or you just know that generally these things end up being compelling in the end, especially in the NFL. And and um, but I'm sorry you had that uh, that experience, Tim. Have you been in sports book lately? Comment on the urinal situation because I know you. We're not we're not talking oh, I'm, about that. We're not going there. No, please. Why? Why is that happening? And also, Tim, we're not going there. Have you done? Have you gone gone to a sports book and done something similar? We're not going there. Uh, I am the anti Mike in terms of sports betting. Um, I, I don't. I, 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 I made a bet in grade school uh, on the the Dolphins Redskins Super Bowl. I'm sure Mike remembers that one well, and. Uh, I, I bet a nickel a point with Which, Rick Heeman. And, yeah, you uh, told this story before. And uh, I, and I yeah I you mean I, you mean I lost thirty five cents seven? and I I don't think I've made I, I can't I can't recall making a sports bet since, um, but this but, but all if I if I had any any question about whether I should, um, all all I would have to do is watch. Um, the Scott Van Pelt bad beats thing. And just, yeah. it just reminds me that, uh, that the reason I don't bet is because I could not, I could not stand to watch a game where neither team really cares whether, whether a late touchdown is scored and end up losing money on that. I mean, the, if I ever did make a sports bet, it would be on a pick em game. I do participate in a college football pool where you have to pick winners. And I think that's, you know, that's, that I think is a legitimate bet. If you can, if you think you have some insight into who's going to win a game, and you can do it as a pick'em, then then more power to you. But as soon as you in, as soon as you introduce uh, a spread into it, and and you realize that neither team cares what whether that that spread is covered, um, that's when you lose me, and I I just can't I I can't I couldn't stand to get bad beat it i just uh, i think that's 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 where sports betting just goes loco to me i will you, say this you found the casino sports watching angle yet have you found yourself at a casino enjoying that as opposed to the spring garden you know nursing your coke 
like we used to do when we watched the Cubs games in the afternoon in college. Have I've you, been you, I've been in a casino in a, in one casino in my life in Vegas for for one night, and I did not go to the sports book. That's it. I've never. That's the only casino I've ever been in. I, I, don't know I, I, I wouldn't mind being in a casino one time for the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. People say that's just you know, exhilarating with all the screens and all the excitement and et cetera. And it, just to watch, of course, we're going to need it to be on the other, for me to be on the other side of the pandemic. So uh, we're not there yet. I'm not there yet. But um, I did get my booster today, and that's why I'm going to go right to sleep as soon as we're done with this thing. And we're, we're not talking about that last part of Kimball's topic. All right, let's go on to topic number two and we're going to go to the professor who we can tell you right now and in, in episode 51 we'll be back in the leadoff spot what do you have to, uh, to say for us? <laughs> um yeah i i i, I i've had a, a thought this week um and it's based on the uh on the, the ravens game um this this past sunday in which they, uh, you know, they they famously had the, the the dilemma as we got to the final final seconds about whether to go for for two to try to win the game or to uh, just tie the game with an extra point and and send send it certainly to overtime. And it got me thinking. You know, I've watched God knows how many games, hundreds of games, where this dilemma comes up uh, in my sports watching life and and I always think the same thing that the the you know the, the my gut instinct is telling me yeah that would be so much fun to go for two and try to win the game but my my the the, the real my head I guess always says uh, no you you wouldn't do that in that situation um, you would, you know, you're, you're the, you're the tie the game and send it to overtime. And, you know, so I got a little, I, I, I went down the rabbit hole a little bit and looked on, looked into the analytics of it. And, uh, I, I saw something on ESPN that said, okay, the Ravens chance to win the game with a two point, con- two point conversion was uh, 47.1%. And their chance to win the game with a uh, with an extra point was forty six point five percent. How I don't exactly know why it doesn't add up to a hundred. That that one is still eluding me. But um, but the bottom line is basically it was exactly the same. I mean, the, the, by the analytics told you that it was exactly the same. They had exactly the same chance to win either way. So then I just then it just got got me to thinking that. That this is really a this is really based on on your personality. I think that I think this is a personality trait. So I'm giving you, I'm going to give you guys an, an opportunity to to look into your own souls and decide whether you are 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 you the two point conversion guy or are you the extra point and tie it and send it to overtime guy. I will tell you. I will I will start off by saying that there is no doubt in my mind and every time this dilemma in all these hundreds of games has come up every time this dilemma comes up i i i soul search i have i i go through this process of what would i do and it's kind of it's an interesting dilemma what would i do what would i do and you know obviously you have to take 
outside factors out of it. Like John Harbaugh said, part of his thinking here was the fact that he'd had a lot of injuries to his defensive backs during the game, and he didn't feel like it was a smart idea for him to send the game to overtime because he didn't think he had the defensive backfield to, to cover the, the receivers. So that's obviously there. There are there are obviously mitigating factors in in some cases, but let's just say that this is a controlled experiment and it's basically even an even chance of winning either way. I am obviously conservative at heart, and maybe this is why I haven't made laid a lot of sports bets in my time. But I am the tie it and send it to overtime and take my chances in overtime guy. And I, I really think it's, I really think you can tell something about a person by saying, all right, which, which one are you? So here's the personality test. Which one are you? Are you the two point, two point play conversion guy? Or are you the extra point and send it to overtime guy? What do you think? Well, I'll, uh, I'll take it. I, I'm thinking back to, I'm not surprised at all that you would, uh, would identify as the person who would uh, do what you said, uh, prolong the game, because that's how you played tennis. That's how you took John Franco <laughs> from me. Uh, it was all about avoiding the big mistake, let your opponent beat him or herself. And generally that person or that team will, uh, given enough opportunities to uh, step in it. So, and I know how that feels. So I was the one who, on even on a second serve, went back when the knees would cooperate, I would try to to uh, blast a winning, an ace ideally, uh, but a power serve. And then Tim would just, just bop it over there and just keep the, the just extend the point. And uh, so I think it's clear that I've never overcome that. I still have mentioned on this show, Tom Osborne before overtime came along, trying to do what he did with Nebraska, one of the greatest teams of all time. And, and uh, Kenny Calhoun knocking the ball down in the end zone, ding for the Miami Hurricanes. Um, I, I still felt for, I still to this day feel for that Nebraska team, the un, uncrowned all time, great team. And, uh, but they did the right thing. They, they, they tried to do it with dignity rather than play for a tie. In that case, I realized the tie a little different than just taking it to overtime. But, um, so that's how I identify Kimball. Well, all right. First of all, let me take a shot at the hundred percent thing. Um, the reason it doesn't add up to 100% is you're talking about two different things. You're saying the Ravens' chance to win if they go for two and the Ravens' chance to win if they go for one. Well, it's not It's not have anything to do with the other team. So basically it's saying that the you only have a 46% chance of making the two, otherwise you lose, right? And then the reason it's not 50%, you know, if all things being equal is because you might miss the extra point and not even tie it to get to overtime. And it has nothing to do with the other team. That's why it doesn't add up to 100%, if that makes sense. It has nothing to do with both teams' chances of win. You know, if it did, then it would add up to 100%. Right. Um, now, the just to clarify our math here. So, yes, I am a save the Crunchberries guys, just like Tim. <laughs> you know, I'm like, hoard my stuff, keep it close <laughs> to the best. That is me. Anyone that's ever played me in tennis knows that. I'm a pusher, keep it alive, similar to what Tim does, and especially it, it really shows up in ping pong. I'm a pretty good ping pong player. I don't know if I've ever smashed the ball in ping pong. <laughs> all I do, all I do is human backboard and just wait for the mistake. But I do think you can eliminate that other variable, Tim, because I do think that's the point. I think that you, 
and I both saw like this wins, you know, I'm doing this because this wins. Um, and, and I think when you're in, the, you're in that position to make that decision, I think the Harbaugh answer is the answer. If you feel like, you know what, I'm not the better guy here and I might as well just go for broke. Like this 46% chance is pretty good. Cause if we go to overtime, I'm screwed. They're better than me. Um, and you know, I, so I think that is relevant here. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, in that case, it gets back to, you know, I can make the soccer analogy and, and I think you guys will understand this, that, that, uh, that the you know once it gets to the NCAA tournament or the World Cup or whatever, the lesser team would always be happy to go to PK. Right. I mean, absolutely, right. and that makes perfect sense. I'm try I'm really trying to see it from a from a thoroughly, you know, clinical view of it and say that you know if if it really is an, an equal chance either way, then I do think it gets down to to just an interesting personality test, and I you know I. I I, those are the answers that I expected out of the two of you. Um, but I do think it says something about, about, uh, you know, who you are as a person. Are you, are you the two point guy or are you the one point guy? And I, I, you know, I think it's for all of our vast audience out there, you've all, you've all been in that, that same spot that I was watching that game that night. And, and you've all run through the scenarios as I did thinking, gosh, it would be, I, I, it would be so cool to be the two point guy. I really, I'd love to be the two, <laughs> two point guy. I wish I was the two point guy, but there, when it gets down to it, after I go through that, after I process that thought, my mind always goes back to the fact that no way I would ever have the guts to do it. I would never do it. I mean, as much as I would want to do it, I mean, again, without, you know, without the mitigating circumstances, as much as I would want to do it in, in, you know, I just, it's hard for me to imagine the thought of doing it, trying it, missing it, and, you know, losing the game right there. Because I would always think, why didn't I just go for the freaking extra point? I could have won it in overtime. Obviously, you don't know if you're going to win it in overtime, but but uh, you, you, you're you almost guaranteed to get there. And that's, you know, that's, I just think it's a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting, um, self test that you can run run yourself through and and i i encourage all of our vast audience out there to uh to put themselves through that test and and decide whether they're a two-point guy or a one-point guy or gal i need to add one thing one well a couple of thoughts to my my first point that i forgot to mention oh no no this is good this is good you're either an ankles guy or a... <laughs> I overheard so many people talking there and I realized that the sports book, it's just like being in a sports bar and hearing all people's stupid opinions, but you know, this time they're betting on those stupid opinions. And then you realize, Oh, I'm one of those guys right now too. I put down. Bets. <laughs> and the other thing is the best quote I heard was this guy said, I like to pick mismatches. And I thought, well, there we go. There we go. He thinks it's that simple. I just pick mismatches and I'm a great gambler. Because, yeah, there's no line. There's no thing like that. So, yeah, I've got this beat. I just pick mismatches. And ironically, he was talking about how he thought the San Francisco mismatch over Seattle that day was going to be a great one and obvious because Seattle sucks. And Seattle won that game, by the way. Sorry, I'm just too tired to remember those points earlier. Go ahead, Mike. Good stuff.
we're two-thirds of the way through. Uh, this is the 50th edition of Three Point Range, and we've crammed those 50 editions into just over a calendar year. So we're averaging nearly one a week. We had gotten off to two a week initially, and perhaps we'll go back to two a week, but right now we can we're lucky to squeeze out the one a week because we're very busy people. We have very many things going on, uh, but we're not going to count up our, our, our many employers between us, but it's, it's a lot. And so we thank you for taking a little bit of time out of your week to find us on Substack, on Facebook, where we have three-point range uh, branding. And, of course, you can find this uh, podcast at uh, Spotify and Google and Stitcher and, and Anchor.fm and all your finest podcast areas. Now, final point, I was I wanted to, I just watched, I finally got caught up and watched uh, Real Sports from a uh, Thanksgiving edition, and I did want to talk a, a little bit about what John Vaughn is doing up there in Michigan, and I, and I would encourage you to look at, find that episode if you haven't seen it on HBO Max, or read about what Michigan, uh, former Michigan players are doing. That's a, that's a very nuanced, important issue that um, we, we'll have another opportunity to talk about as Michigan football and, and Jim Harbaugh get ready to play for a national championship. That's the story that I hope doesn't go away about Dr. Robert Anderson, and that needs to be talked about. But something even more pressing to the moment right now that is was news today is that the finest player in women's basketball today, Paige Buchers, out for six to eight weeks with a very serious-sounding uh, knee injury, non-contact knee injury, and, and it's a it's called a tibial plateau fracture. So we wish the best for Paige Buchers. I believe with name, image, and likeness, there were estimates that she might be able to pull down something approaching a million dollars herself. She's basically Bryce Young of women's basketball and very entertaining. But I want to just point out that Gino Oriema, all-time great coach, loves to hear himself talk, great for the media, he issued a statement, and what an unfortunate statement this was. So we're going to tweak Gino on this statement because um, I want to point out, I didn't realize it initially. I was kind of monitoring that game uh, on my phone, but uh, Paige Buchers had already scored 22 points in that game. She went down with this non-contact injury with UConn beating Notre Dame by 18 points with 40 seconds left. She had played every minute of that game to that point. She had no business still being in that game. No starter had any business being in a game, in my estimation, in the final minute or minute and a half, two minutes of a game like that, up 18. They, they destroyed Notre Dame in the fourth quarter. So here's the, here's the uh, statement from Gino on the UConn official women's basketball Twitter. He said, obviously, we're all extremely disappointed for Paige and that she suffered this injury. It would be really hard to describe how much basketball means to Paige and how much her teammates mean to her. Her not being able to do the things she loves to do, to be there for her teammates, really difficult for her. He said, we've had players get injured in the past, and now it's all about Gino. My philosophy here is, I'm not interested in how fast we can get someone back. I'm interested in what's best for them long term. Every decision made will prioritize what's best for Paige and her career. So, um, yeah... I, I don't know. I mean, it, it wasn't Muffet McGraw across the way who Gino had that blood rivalry with. It's Neil Ivey now, but something about, see, I don't think it's the goal to have Paige. It was the goal to have Paige Buchers play every minute of every game, but she was up, they're up 18 
She'd done everything uh, the superstar is supposed to do. She should have been waving a towel, watching that game, not pushing herself to a 40th into a 40th minute when she just crumpled. She just it was it's really a huge loss for the women's game. It's it, let's hope it doesn't have lasting in, impact on a career that could be very important to the WNBA. This is one of the most valuable properties and potential stars in the women's basketball uh, world. And um, Gino making no mention, no regret, at least in that statement. I'm not even sure anybody's going to ask him. But I'm saying it right here on three-point range. That was completely avoidable. Now you could, I'd like, you know, Campbell has to pull people out at times. But do you leave, do you leave your star players in? Do you leave, and you leave your starters in to the last minute? That's the point. The point is, Okay, you can talk about how you probably shouldn't leave your starters in too long, but it's not that's not why she got hurt. She didn't get hurt because if she like, oh, she never would have gotten hurt if it wasn't an 18 point lead. If it was 12, she would have been okay. If it was seven, she would have been okay. 40th minute and she wasn't needed. Her services were no longer needed. That's not why she hurt herself. And this is where these people that say this, no, these coaches that like when this happens and people are always upset, no. The next day you go to practice and you're practicing and she could blow out her knee and you say, oh, should she not have practiced that day? Should you just put people in a little box and, and make sure they're not injured until the very key moment of the game? No. And so and, and then the other thing, Mike, is what's wrong with that quote about saying what I'm not sure what you're saying about saying he's thinking about her long term health. What are you saying? Is that that's hypocritical? What he had her in he the game? Her, he pushed her to the final minute of a game where over the course of the year, an intelligent coach of any sport is going to look for ways to save reps, to save wear and tear on, on their bet, on their best players, all their essential players. I would say that, that no starter should have been in that game in the final 90 seconds. We can see sometimes when athletes are pushed to the limits in a game, we can see like, you know, when they're cramping up or whatever, like Rob Carpenter, uh, and, you know, running back when Earl Campbell was injured and crawling along the turf, it, you know, she was bringing the ball up the court non-contact and she just went and and you can't tell me it's like oh she had logged too many minutes i i totally disagree with that you 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 didn't mention and i i I believe i'm getting this right because i read a story on uh on espn about this on the night of that it happened um this is this this is predates the statement that you just read but but my memory of reading this story was was Oriema was asked in the post game about the situation, and he right. he said, "Why was she still in the game?" And he said, "I don't know. I don't know why she's still in the game. I I just I guess I just feel I guess I just feel better when Paige is on the court." And I'm I'm obviously paraphrasing here, but it was something along those lines. Um, and yeah, I couldn't I couldn't disagree with you more. I think this is classic hindsight. We wouldn't be talking about this. If, you wouldn't. We wouldn't be. This would not be your point if she'd made it through the game. You wouldn't be saying, "Why was Paige Bugers on the court when it, when that game was over?" It's we're only talking about this because something went wrong. And I just, I, I, I just think you, you know, I, I've had discussions with 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 uh, Anson Dorrance about this many times. Um, you know, when he's lost a player, a player to injury late in a game and you could have made the argument maybe that uh that they should have been off off the, off the pitch and and it's he said he says you know if if i if i spent my entire career worrying about about situations where players might get injured 
um, you know, I, I would treat them all as if they're porcelain and you just can't do that. I mean, you just have to, you know, I, I granted, yes, in, in hindsight, we all look, we can all look at it and say, yeah, it probably doesn't, doesn't make much sense that she was on the court. The game was over. She didn't need to be out there. But again, I think we're only talking about this because she, you know, of course we're only talking about this because she got injured and, you know, coaches do this all the time. They don't think twice about it. And 99.999 times out of a hundred, nothing happens. And we don't, we don't think twice about it, but you know, it's kind of, it's kind of one of these that it's easy to look back on now and say, what an idiot. And, you know, I think even he would say that was dumb. I shouldn't have done it, but, um, but I just don't think it's, it's something that it's, it's, you know, it's not something that, that, uh, you know, that he was even, he was even thinking about in a million years possibly happening. And, it, and yes, it did happen. It was, and it's a fluke injury and that's, well, you know, that's part back. of sports. I'm going to just push back on this, this one part that the part of the statement that really jumped out at me was he's talking, he was applauding himself for always putting philosophically the long-term interest of his players ahead of even the team's interest. And that just doesn't jibe with keeping a star player, your most essential player, the most essential player of the entire sport, out there in an 18-point game. Long, It's been long since decided. They own that. They're well in control with five minutes to go. But it just was avoidable in that we're in the era of I heard Brian Kelly talk about it all the time when he was at Notre Dame the GPS wearing of for all these athletes every practice step now is is recorded and this data is is parsed and it's and it's it's everybody has a strategy on limiting the strain and stress on players' bodies throughout the year, even on the college level, and certainly they have all this stuff at UConn. And I think it's entirely possible that there are practices where she is made to watch to limit the stress and strain on her. So I don't think it's a case where it's, oh, she's the energizer bunny. She can just be, I just feel better when she's on the court. Well, I bet there's times in practice where they're trying to get things fixed in their, in their half court sets. And she's, she's not going to participate quite possibly because we're in the era of the wearable technology and making sure that all your reps are put to good use. And I'm just saying no rep was put to good use in the final minute, get hurt or not. Well, but there's also the build, build up your endurance philosophy too. It's like, no, it is no like you you if you want a player to play 40 minutes in the NCAA title game, you know it's good that she's played 40 minutes early in the season. If you're always taking her out because you're blowing up everybody by 18 points and she never plays more than 27 minutes, now you get into the one close game and she can't go 40. And that is something, Mike. It's like a pitch count. You know, it, you know if your if your pitch early in the season doesn't build up to 90, 100 pitches. Late in the season, it's going to be hard to go 9,800. So I would almost say the opposite in that case. Now, again, Gino didn't say that. You know, um, He wanted credit for looking out for his athletes, and I just thought it was disingenuous. He was talking about a separate thing. He was talking about her rehab, not her okay. the moment that she All got right, hurt. We'll see. If, if, he, if he just felt that much better about her in that game, then I have to believe he's going to feel uh, that much antsier until the very moment he can put her back in the court and probably leave her out there the whole time. She's very frail uh she's not terribly muscular she she's she beats you with skill and brains and speed so you know that's a person that you're gonna you're gonna in theory look out for even more just in terms of uh shielding her from unnecessary reps out to me though that bringing the ball up the court that time was unnecessary rep and i think it was rooted in the fact 
quite possibly, I'm not a psychologist, but quite possibly that he just likes to stick it to Notre Dame. They've got they've met many, many times through the years, and it's it's one of the two or three best rivalries in that sport. And he was in control, and he was just going to try to pile it on and last another possession or two. So, are you can, for load? Are you for load management? Should should she be yeah. sitting out games against South South Florida and? And other quite games possibly. where where, yeah, where she just possibly. just just uh, just completely save her for for the the big ones. Well, not, not I don't know. I mean, I'm just I'm just going to say that it's lamentable, and it was it to my way of thinking, it was obviously hindsight because I'm not there. I'm not one of his four assistants sitting there on a the, on the bench. Somebody there though needed to be saying to him, nudging to him, being with there with Bill the Bill Guthridge note card. You know, uh, this might be a good time. Get the starters out. Let them have. That's another thing. You know, that's a home game. Take the starters out. Let them have their moment of appreciation one by one. Whatever. It's not the end of the year, but whatever. I, I thought it was something we should talk about because nobody uh, likes uh, to applaud himself uh, any any uh, louder or more frequently than than Gino, who. Um, Loves himself some Gino, so I'm not. I'm not going to say anything else on this podcast, just in case I damage my larynx. And I'm so close <laughs> to the end, and I think I've already done my part. And so <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's safe for me to, to to say anything else. So I'm out. Well, you're not up 18. Let's just say that. If I try and entice you by talking about the Gerald Henderson Hansbro uh, game, which I think it, it brought up an interesting point, right? Like when. When they were like, well, why was Hansborough still in the game when UNC was defeating Duke? I think it was an ACC tournament game. And and it was pointed out by Roy Williams, well, he had his starters in, you know, like, so he wasn't giving up the ghost. So, you know, and if anything, I think that that's right. Like, if you think the other team's still coming at you, you know, and is dangerous. Um, and that, that was a classic that, that uh, has, you know, a lot that we're talking about involved in it here. But I can't. I can't. Can't Tim to come then. And then he's, he's resting. He's, he's, done. he's, he's got to rest. Mike, load Mike, management. You, you need this for. You need this for to build up your endurance on these podcasts. You have a comment on that one? I. Uh, if you don't, if you don't want to hurt, I think I just. I think I just fractured something. So. I'm done. <laughs> All right. Well, that's. Thanks for sticking with us to the end here. And. Uh, um, Number 50, and I think uh, your your copy, if you want to comment on this, you want to weigh in on what we just said, um, we'll be tweeting this out. We'll be putting this on Facebook on our three-point range page. And if you would like to have a copy, free copy, signed copy of When I Am With Dad, we won't ask Tim to uh, offer anything. We'll save his offers for number 100, podcast number 100. Um, and that's a threat. For, uh, for the professor... Tim Crothers and the scout, Kemmel Crosley. This is Mike Ferradino. Have a good week.